0: Good morning, y'all. This is Dana from Financial Aid Compliance Solutions, and I wanna thank y'all for joining me today. Um, Today's show is gonna be regarding updates from the department. Uh, There's been quite a few that have come through, and the um, most important update I wanna share with y'all is with regards to um, a COD system change to comply with the CARES Act. And uh, this is probably gonna cause a bunch of headaches. um, Well, I should say more headaches um, for aid offices. And the article um, that I'm going to refer to right now and reference is uh, on NASFA.org. And it was written by Owen Doherty. Um, who is a NASPA staff reporter um, and basically um, the outline is saying as a disrupted fall semester full of uncertainties approach. Financial aid administrators learned recently that they will have to manually check boxes updating disbursement records directly in the common originations and disbursement website for students who have withdrawn from school for COVID-19 related matters. This is gonna be a time-consuming and inconvenient process for some. The Department of Ed announced COD system changes necessary to comply with reporting requirements outlined in the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security CARES Act, and to apply relief provided to in the legislation to students who withdrew for coronavirus-related reasons in a July 30th electronic announcement. The functionality will be implemented in two phases, one immediately and the other is planned for late September. Wayne Kruger, Executive Director of Financial Assistant Operations at St. Petersburg College in Florida outlined just how laborious of a task. This would be for his staff, estimating that it would take him a minimum of 200 hours altogether to manually enter the information for the nearly 650 students who dropped out at his institution in the spring semester. And that is just for the spring semester alone, he said. So you're looking at with a 40 hour work week, if it's one person, it would take four to five weeks to enter all that data in. While a deadline for this reporting requirement has yet to be set, in the immediate phase, Ed has implemented a coronavirus indicator. A disbursement level checkbox, whereby schools will indicate that a withdrawn student is eligible for one or more of the following benefits provided by the CARES Act. Cancellation of direct loan funds received for the period. Exclusion of the period from the student subsidized loan usage for purposes of the 150% direct subsidized loan limit and exclusion of Pell Grant funds received for the period from the student's lifetime eligibility used. Details on the location of the indicator and the circumstances under which it should be checked are included in the announcement. So you need to go and make sure that if you haven't familiarized yourself with the July 30th announcement please do so. The process that the schools will use to check the coronavirus indicator is manual and takes place at the disbursement level, which can create a substantial amount of administrative burden at the institutions with significant numbers of COVID-related withdrawals. NASA has engaged with ED staff to advocate for a streamlined batch process. In the second phase of implementation scheduled for September to provide schools with a mechanism for reporting the amount of Title IV grant or loan assistance not returned due to the return of the Title IV funds. CARES Act Provisions Ed plans to make changes to its R2T4 calculator and COD to allow schools to perform an R2T4 calculation specifically for aid recipients who withdrew due to coronavirus related circumstances. Although standing ED policy has been that the use of its COD R2-T4 calculator is optional, schools will be required to use the calculator for all aid recipients who withdrew due to COVID-19. NASA has reached out to ED staff to express concern that this will greatly increase R2-T4 administrative work. Institutions that elect to use their own internal R2-T4 calculations will have to redo their R2-T4 calculations in the ED R2-T4 tool. And institutions that have already completed R2-T4 calculations in the ED tool will have to revisit their previously completed calculations once ED implements changes to the, school in September, to the tool in September. Kruger said to accomplish the monumental task, it would require a massive effort from multiple staff members. I have one person dedicated to R2-T4 at my institution, Kruger said, I'm going to have to pull in a team of four to five people because I just can't have them stop all the work for four weeks and they're not all this data. The burden will vary for different schools, with community colleges and other two-year institutions likely facing a much more significant rate of dropouts due to the demographics of their student populations. And I'm going to stop here and point out the fact that I know, because I have a side hustle that I work for, and uh, it's a third-party servicer, and most of our college's clients that we process for do not have access to COD. Everything is done by the, the office so that because that's part of the service that we provide that they hire us for. So having said that, it is up to the institution to confirm with their third-party processor that this is going to be implemented. Um, so I highly recommend that you contact your third-party s- servicer if that's what you're utilizing um, to do your processing of your awards and um, is basically your backroom office to make sure that they're on board and um, find out what their plan is to implement this process for you Um, because if you're again if you're an institution that does not have access to COD um, then you need to make sure that your third party servicer um, has the plan in place and this is new guidelines that just came out so um, make sure you contact them um, if not this afternoon contact them first thing on Monday morning to find out what um, their implementation um, plan is for this new update and uh, if you're using their system to do your RTT4 calculation meaning if they have a student management system that provides you with an r2t4 calculation make sure that you're having the cod r2t4 tool um used to do those recalculations that need to be completed as required so um all around this is going to be a huge headache um for everyone, but um, just make sure you're in compliance with this because you obviously don't want to have to have this be an issue um, in an audit. Um, going further down uh, with regards to this um, uh, article, if you will, um, it's it's basically just going on to say that Christina Tangalakis, Associate Dean Of student financial aid services at Glendale Community College in California and Christina if you're listening and I misspelled your name or mispronounced your name I apologize uh, described having her staff manually entering all the data without a batch process is just not just burdensome but quite impossible which is true I mean unless you've kept really really good records um, during this time um, trying to uh, pull all those records and then making the determination of how this is all is going to work for you um, without the batch is uh, going to be quite cumbersome. Um, She continues to say we already had to do a complete standstill and pivot when CARES money came and that was two or three months of a heavy lift for us, she said, noting that her institution saw more than a thousand students withdraw in the spring. So now we're behind the ball on that, and now we're gonna be behind again due to this burdensome manual process because they haven't built in a batch process. Both Tangalakis and Kruger expressed frustration at the lack of clarity from the department, particularly noting that August is one of the busiest times of year for their offices. Of course. i mean with you with trying to get enrollments done and never mind having this in addition um so again as we all can tell there's this going to be quite challenging um so having um read the majority of that article again um i defer to the july 30th electronic announcement make sure that you've familiarized yourselves with that and um again just be in touch with those third-party servicers if those um, are who you've hired to process your files because um, it's going to be fall on y'all um, to make sure that their system is up and running and compatible with that as well. Um, another update that um, I wanted to also advise uh, folks on is... Um, I was working on a couple of files um, this week and um, I just wanted to make uh, sure of uh, letting y'all know that there are um, files out there that you have uh, situations where parents are paying child support. So they paid child support in 2018. and. Um, as we all know, when you're completing the application, if you've paid child support and you're accounting for the child support page, you can't account for the child that received that child support as a family member because it's considered double-doping in the EFC calculation. It's been my experience over the time frame that I've been working in financially that If you don't account for the child support paid, but you account for the child as a family member, you're gonna get a better EFC calculation, meaning you're gonna get a greater amount of aid with that calculation. So it is a recommendation that if you are helping a uh, parent fill out the application and his information or her information is going on there and they paid child support during the tax filing year that we're using are utilizing, uh, count those children as family members versus the child support paid to get a better EFC calculation. Uh, Also, another file I had worked on this past week, um, there was a a scholarship amount that was accounted for as income on the 2018 tax return and uh, that uh, was not applied originally to the um, FAFSA application on line 43D. Um, So it's just another reminder that when you're reviewing these tax returns, make sure that on the wage line, you are looking to the left-hand side. And if you see SCH and an amount by that, that is indicating a scholarship amount that was included in the income. And you're gonna definitely wanna make sure that it is included on line 43D. Uh, due to the fact that, again, in the EFC calculation, it adjusts the income, so it'll give a better um, calculation and eligibility for the student um, with regards to aid. And uh, those are just a few little tips that um, I have come across um, this week when I'm working um, on files and processing them to try to get the most aid for the students. And um, there was also another article that caught my eye um, from NASFA and um, it was actually regarding an inside higher ed survey on the matter of uh, chief business officers confidence in the financial stability of their institutions over the next five years um, has dropped below 55% and was eclipsed by their confidence in the next 10 years according to a new poll. Um, the article just briefly mentioned in the post on LinkedIn with the fall semester taking place online in institutions across the country due to pandemic, the pandemic this year, 42% of business officers said their college is likely to lower or freeze tuition in the next 12 months, including 26% who said their college is very likely to do so and 78% of business officers said their institution is very or somewhat likely to increase financial aid for in for students um which obviously at this point um you know with everything going on we want to make sure we maximize the most aid available um to the students not that we didn't want to do that in the past but um this is something that we need to be more conscious and aware of um going forward um lastly there was One more file that um, caught my attention, and um, I just want to make sure that everyone is on the same page with regards to electronic signatures on V4 V5 documents. um, V4 V5 documents at this point should not be having electronic signatures on there. Um, You should be able to, with the technology that we have at hand. be able to get valid signatures and if for some reason these um, institutions, if your students I should say, are not available to be able to um, sign those documents in front of one of your school officials, don't forget that you have to get it notarized. Um, So the, the student would have to take those documents to a financial institution. And a lot of the financial institutions right now, their lobbies are open, but some of them in order to get maybe a notary, you may have to make an appointment. Um, So if they can't get get in to see a school official and sign in front of the school official, then you're gonna have to um, have those documents notarized again. So make sure um, electronic signatures are not um, being utilized or um, because it may be a finding in an audit. So um, with those updates that I've provided to you, um, I'm gonna uh, close out right now because uh, it doesn't look like we have any questions pending. Um, I wanna wish everybody a good week um, up and coming. I know that um, the weeks are getting busier and busier for us uh, financial aid advisors as uh, we are trying to process files for all the um, students that are enrolling and coming back to school. Oh, one other thing I just wanted to remind you all of is make sure that um, if your students are restarts, meaning that they were awarded for an original start date that they had not started, um, that you got the information in, um, in order to have those loans initially canceled. Because if they haven't been canceled, um, it's kind of like with the COD update that I was talking about earlier. Um, the student's records are not being updated, and those loans are just sitting out there. And um, if they're not going to be utilized um, because the start dates changed, they've got to be canceled. We need to cancel them, we need to cancel them, we need to cancel them, I can't reiterate that enough. Um, so make sure um, that you do um, get those that information updated. Uh, so I hope everyone has a great weekend. Um, And we'll be chatting again soon. Um, Next week's show um, will be uh, airing again live at 1130 Eastern Daylight Time. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Take care.